You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Boy, oh 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 boy. Oh, it's, it's, so I'm recording Saturday, but just the fact that I'm talking to you on Sunday has got me all jaggered up. Man. Let's go, boys. I tell you what, I'm, I'm happy to report that the nerves have turned into more excitement than anything else. Which is weird. It's usually the other way around. It's excitement that turns into nerves. I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited. Look, let's, let's just get started here. At the end of the day, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe a lot of us are wrong. I like this football team. It's young, it's raw, it might not be ready week one, but I like this football team. I like it more than I like the Bears team, I like it more than I like the Vikings team, I like it more than I like the Lions team. In fact, I could, I'm not going to because it's not what we're doing today. I'm guessing if I went through the 32 NFL rosters, there's, there's a majority of teams that I would prefer the Green Bay Packers overall roster and situation compared to the alternative. And to be very clear, there are teams out there that are in decent positions that I don't really like. It's actually kind of funny. I, I saw this and then I thought I'm not going to talk about it because it, I don't want to get distracted from the main goal here, but I, I somehow found a way to segue myself into this. My subconscious is like, I really want to talk about it. I'm going to make him do it. I like the Baltimore Ravens. Just like the Packers, they're not perfect. They really don't have wide receivers, but they got a good tight end. They got a really talented quarterback, you know, whenever he can stay healthy. The defense is always there. You know, they, they always have a, a good enough combination of raw talent and just freaking mentality where it doesn't actually matter if they have talent. They do, but even if they didn't, they're going to have a good defense. They're an old school team. They're a disciplined team. I just saw on... Uh, the Twitters. First of all, I, I missed the whole Joe Burrow thing. I don't know what happened. Apparently nobody cared. I, I don't I, I don't know how I missed it. I've been sitting here saying, oh man, he's gonna get big time paid when he gets paid. And he got paid and apparently it was like a five second little blip of eh, and then nobody cared. Anyways, so he got his deal, but that's that's not the most important part. There was a guy here that did a little breakdown 
Andrew Brandt kind of talking about these contracts and how we view them wrong. And Mr. Z, Jay-Z Alter says, Joe Burrow's um, looking at their actual contract is about 30 mi- $39 million a year. I don't know exactly how he comes to that, but I haven't really looked at it. I don't know the details of it, but it's about $39 million a year, not 52 like the big number says it is. Herbert, he has at 37.5. Jalen Hurts, he has at 42.5, meaning significantly higher than Joe Burrow. And then Lamar Jackson is 52.8. And uh, Andrew Brandt says, yes, Jackson is the only contract above $50 million average. And he says, not that there's anything wrong with making $40 million per. And then he even goes on to say, I'll never understand why young, uh, why elite quarterbacks do long deals. It only helps the team and markets, um, only helps the team market escalates every year. The reason being, um, Lamar Jackson will be able to get another bite at the apple at age 31. Joe Burrow has to wait until he's 34. So Joe Burrow got locked in at maybe not as super desirable of a contract as he could have gotten and will not get another swing until he's, you know, probably about at the end of his career. Anyways, all of this brought me to wanting to look at Lamar's contract. Because remember, he negotiated a contract without an agent, which seems stupid. And according to Andrew Brandt, he's the only one that legitimately got over 50. And um, it's kind of by a wide margin because, again, Joe Burrow is looking at about 39. And I looked at Joe Burrow, uh, Lamar Jackson's contract here. His total guarantees are only $37 million. So right away, it's not a matter of looking at his guarantees. However, I have a feeling what Andrew Brandt is talking about is what's likely to be earned. And if you look at the dead cap situation, they are stuck with this guy for a long time. So they already gave him $72 million signing bonus. The dead cap hit this year would be $135 million. They can't move him. Next year, $112.8. They can't move him. 2025, $80.4. They can't move him. 2026, $57.8 million. Very unlikely they're going to end up moving him. It's until 2027 when you're looking at $35.15 million. His base salary goes from 7 to 14 to 20 to 51 million in those years in which it seems really unlikely they're going to end up moving him. 2026 could end up being sort of an Aaron Rodgers situation where the dead cap hit seems untenable, but we're going to move him. But anyways, all this to say, the Baltimore Ravens situation doesn't look super good. Now, maybe there's there's something in there where if he gets hurt, just we're going to squash this. I don't know how that works. And actually, if you look at the contract, and this isn't the entire contract, but it has to do with the, um, the the fully guarantees, whatever, 2025 salary fully guarantees the fifth league day of 2024, and it says injury guaranteed at signing, meaning they even have contingencies in here where even against injury, it's still guaranteed. This contract sucks is what I'm saying. Not because Lamar isn't necessarily worth a big contract, but this guy isn't going to make it to 30. Very unlikely to make it to 30. And even if he does, the, the issue is guys like this are not built to last as long as some of their peers. You're not going to see Lamar Jackson playing at 40. His athleticism is a big part of what he does, and he's not going to be outrunning 22-year-old linebackers when he's 35 especially after multiple, multiple, multiple injuries. So I I would not envy even, for example, the Baltimore Ravens situation, even if you said they're a better football team today. They can't seem to figure out this wide receiver situation. They're going backwards at at quarterback. I mean, they locked in Lamar, and I don't even know if that's a good thing. I don't want to be rooting for a team where they they paid 
this quarterback that's a good quarterback, and I'm not even sure if it's a good thing or not. We're in a good situation. This team has really, really, really good bones. And again, I've, I've mentioned it many times. Th- this year, every year is about winning the Super Bowl, don't get me wrong. But this year, more than most years, we're, we're, we're trying to embark on a fact-finding mission. And Brian Gutekunst, once again, very likely anyways, has secured us another first-round pick. Which, getting multiple first-round picks when you don't suck is pretty rare. And for some reason, Gutekunst seems to be able to do that at a rate that seems unusual. And so, even if you look at it and say, we don't know who's... Listen, let let me just be completely honest. Some of these guys that we don't know about are not going to be good. But we're going to have the opportunity to fix it. The bottom line is, we have a solid offensive line. It may not be perfect. Maybe Zach Tom's not the guy. We don't know that Zach Tom is really good at stuff. He seemed to be last year in the uh, limited amount of time that we saw him, about a half a season or so. Um, but maybe that's not the answer. And with Bakhtiari gone, maybe we have a problem with, with tackle. But you know what? We've got some guys that are developing, that are decent stand-ins. And we've got opportunities to go out and draft and replace. Maybe we don't have an answer at defensive tackle, which I would hate to keep taking swings, but if you got to do it, you got to do it. Same thing we did with corner. I got tired of taking swings. We swing and we swing and swing and swing and swing, and I just got tired of it. Boy, oh boy, am I glad we didn't uh, listen to my strategy of let's just stop when we drafted Jair Alexander. If you have a need, address it. Maybe we need help at wide receiver. Maybe we need help at tight end. I don't know, but I know that we have some really, really good foundational pieces, especially at premium positions. For this year, I genuinely believe we have really good tackles. We have really good edge rushers. We have really good corners. We're talking premium here. Pass rush, you know, trenches in general are, are, are premium. Protect the quarterback, distress the quarterback. We do that. Take away wide receivers. Maybe we need a new defensive coordinator. Fine. Fact-finding. If this guy can't get it done, we have the players. That's, By the way, that's the hard part. Finding a guy that is capable enough to turn good players into good players. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying we're going to find a, an elite defensive coordinator, but if we can find a guy that can just not make our players worse across the board, I have to assume that's a, that's, that's a doable endeavor. And while I don't know the outcome of this game, there is one thing I am confident in that Packers f- haters are absolutely getting wrong. And that is their incessant drivel about the dark era, returning to the 70s and 80s. The Chicago Bears won a sloppy game week one. The Packers got annihilated week one. They didn't play each other, but that's how the season started. False hope to the Bears, and, um, well, I don't know what it was for the Packers other than a disaster that at least wouldn't be that bad the rest of the season. This is a better football team than the Bears. That's what I know. Win, lose, or draw, we have a better team. We have a better and brighter future than what they have. And if we need a new quarterback, we need a new quarterback. We'll figure it out. But loves look good. That's the bottom line. We don't have a lot to go on, and we shouldn't overhype preseason. But at the end of the day, the tape's the tape, right? There are certain fundamental key things that you want to look for. This is, this is the reason why, by the way, a lot of serious people who look at Justin Fields have concerns. Because the issues are not just... Man, if there was somebody there, that would have been great. It's, what are you doing? Why aren't you throwing? Why are you throwing like that? Where are you looking? Why did you run? Somebody was open. It's those issues that are the problem. It's not a matter of, man, every time he has blocking and somebody's open, he's just drilling it. No. Nope. Not the issue whatsoever. 
And so that's the reason there's skepticism. So yeah, Bears fans somewhat rightly point out like, oh, wow, so so Pat Mahomes doesn't have wide receivers and suddenly he struggles. Gee, isn't that how Justin Fields felt? Well, first of all, I, I, I really don't think even Fields had that bad of a situation, like ever. I don't think anybody has had, and in fact, PFF even confirmed it was the worst wide receiver performance in five years. So even last year, the Chicago Bears didn't have a single game that was that bad. But beyond that, that's, that's just beside the point. Of course it's true that if you take away a quarterback's weapons and his offensive line doesn't play well, the quarterback's going to struggle. Of course that's true. And yes, Justin Fields has not had an optimal situation. And yes, there's reason to believe there will be improvement if you give him a better offensive line and better weapons. Of course that's true. But really all we're talking about, we're not even talking about Fields getting better. We're talking about overall offensive production. And although the, the absolute most casual fans in the world only look at box scores and they'll only see the stats jump and they'll only care about that, the reality is there's still a very real question of is Justin Fields improving? Even if the stats go up, there's still stats like CPOE, which is completion percentage over expectation, which is very simply looking at your specific situation and whether or not you should have completed it and whether or not based on that you did complete it. That 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 accounts for situations where wide receivers aren't open. So you can't use that as an excuse. And even at that, he was the fourth lowest. You, you, we have a metric that accounts for all those things that you're complaining about. Minus 2.4. 2.4% less than expectations. Derek Carr, Davis Mills, and Baker Mayfield were the only ones lower. And so again, conversely, you look at Jordan Love. We'll see how it goes, but all the people watching him at the very least, have all said with a unified voice one thing, and that is he looks impressive. They've all put in the caveat of we'll have to see it, and, and obviously, again, pressures are going to be a big thing. What, what happens under pressure? Because they didn't see a lot of it. We saw what happens when Romeo Dobbs was out, and things didn't really look as smooth. Right? He never has graded out very well in terms of being under pressure. The, the, the deep throws seem to be a bit of a struggle. Not that the Bears can necessarily generate pressure, but looking season long, there's going to be pressure. And how you handle that is, is going to be a big deal. But anyways, again, I, I, we, we have confidence for a reason. But I, w- I want to look at this real quick. This is from The Volume. It's, it's a Colin Coward thing, but I think it's Colin Coward trying to be more serious. You've got Colin Coward, the goofball, and then you've got Colin Coward starting his own venture where he, he tries to actually bring in people that know what they're talking about. And a lot of those people are data people. He seems to have a partnership with the Action Network which is purely a, a sports betting site. They've got a bunch of uh, just professional, or we'll call them professional gamblers, whatever they call themselves, I don't know, but guys that spend their entire life analyzing data in order to get a slight edge so that they can make more money than they lose gambling. One of the guys that, that has always been very impressive to me when they've brought him on is a guy by the name of Stucky. I remember when I first watched him on here, I thought this freaking Goomba-looking weirdo like <laughs> who's this guy he's got this tough guy looking face he's got the backwards hat on he's got the gold chain looks like jersey mike's older brother but you listen to him and you realize he's a pretty smart guy and then slowly you start to realize he's got some kind of a, a degree hanging up in the back there i'm guessing he's got some kind of a big statistics degree or something i don't know but anyways uh we've got the host i don't know who he is but he's got stucky on as the guest and they're going to talk about the green bay packers and let's just say i'm a fan of what they have to say because it's what I've been saying for quite a long time. The, the Jordan Love-Justin Fields Bowl 
Uh, I, I think if you remove all the quarterback, this is this is the host, by the way, not the other guy. I like does does Jordan love? What does he look like? Because no one really knows. And then is Justin Fields actually good, or is he just a runner? Uh, and you just look at all the other players on the team. The Packers are dramatically better than the Bears, right? Their roster He's not a is. Guess. I mean, it's 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 in right a different. There. It's on a it's on a different level. Now, I did see, and I know you monitor this stuff closely. Their two wide receivers have hamstring issues, which is, is a, makes me a little nervous. But they're built like they have no problem, especially Lafleur has really closer ties to Kyle in terms of he really wants to run the ball, and obviously they've talked a lot about that over the course of this transition. He'll run it thirty-five times. He's got no problem winning this thing seventeen to seven or something, and you know just controlling the clock. So if those guys are out, which I'll be interested to see if that's true. A lot of people have asserted that. Um, I don't know that I necessarily believe it, but this will be a good opportunity with some of the wide receivers out to see if he really will be more willing to lean on the run and kind of do the Kyle Shanahan thing of we're going to run the ball. And if you can stop it, great. If you can't, then I guess we're just going to hit the gas and keep doing that to you. At least they did it that one time to us. Um I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's going to be a thing now that Rodgers is gone. Are we going to see more of that or not? Again, I know it's an assertion, but I, I got to see it before I believe it. Big picture for this team would be a problem, but in this individual game, regardless of the quarterbacks, like I, I the Bears just don't have a good roster. I, I think a lot of people that are like picking the Bears to be like some sleeper wild card team, I, I just think they're a year away from being in that conversation, assuming they hit on Justin Fields, which is yep. an unknown. But their 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 defense. I mean, I think stinks, Stucky. I mean, I I would just pick the the Bears or excuse me, the Packers. Plus, you're getting a point just on principle of just the roster construction. Yep. Yeah, I, the Packers are significantly better overall than the Bears. Look at the offensive line, and by you know, when the Packers' offensive line is healthy, it's one of the best in the NFL. The Bears' offensive line was historically bad last year. They brought in you know Nate Davis. He draft a tackle. But Tevin Jenkins is on IR. They've had to move a bunch of guys around. Like, it's still a mess. Their defense was historically bad. I had them rated as the worst in the league last year. They went out and signed two, you know, two high-profile linebackers. Who who cares in today's NFL? Uh, (laughs) It's the least important position. And you you mentioned the running game. Last year, the Packers... It is funny. I just want to interject quickly. If you tell a Bears fan that, they'll say, well, not in this defense. Yes, yes, in every defense. In every defense. That's 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 just the reality of it. I understand, and also in every defense you need linebackers, right? There's no defensive system where it's like we don't use them, we don't really care. Linebackers play a role in every defense, right? But statistically speaking, there is no less valuable position than linebacker. And yes, that's true in Eberflus's defense as well. It's the same with running back. Like, well, in Kyle Shanahan's system, running is really important, so having a good running back makes a lot of sense. Nope. Nope, still not true. Well, what about Christian McCaffrey? Right, the guy who's a really good running back slash really good receiver? Yeah, okay. Swept the Bears. They ran it 67 times for 380 yards. It's an average of 5.7 yards per carry. The worst run defense in the league allowed allowed 5.4. Fields in those two games, by the way, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. And yeah, the the Packers defense, not not a huge fan of their coordinator. Barry, but a very talented defense with a lockdown corner. Bears defense is still just bottom of the barrel. You know, the previous management just left this team and, you know, it's just a mess and it's taken a, it's going to take a while for them to clean it all up. You got to hope you hit on fields 
And then, you know, you've been shedding contracts and and just trying to build a younger defense, younger offensive line, you know, bringing in receiver, uh, a number one receiver is going to help fields. But if you just dig into the numbers, uh, the accuracy is still not there. He's he's going to have to run around a ton. The injury risk, too, for the whole season is obviously astronomical because the defense is not going to get any stops. He's gonna, it's, it's not like they're going to be blowing anyone out. So, yeah, I think that you're, you nailed you nailed it. Um, it's the better defense, better offensive line, just a overall better team. And I'm not a believer in fields yet. Now, he could prove it to me over time. And Love, I, I like what I've seen in a small sample size, but maybe he has it. I, I just don't think that Fields has it as of right now. And then the overall team is better. I'll happily take the points on the road here with the Packers and hope they get it done. I actually think the Bears, if this season doesn't go well, and I, I'm, I don't think they're going to be very good, actually have a lot going for them that they got DJ Moore in the trade. They're going to have a high pick. The Panthers have a chance to also be terrible. They have their pick. Yep. You know, so it's if the Justin Fields experiment does not work out, it's not life or death. Uh, now they're coming from a place unlike. San- by the way, th- th- this is all relatively true. The question I have is number one, are you going to move on from Justin Fields? That's going to be the biggest thing that moves the needle. Talking about the Chicago Bears. I know I know we want to focus on the game, but I'm they went there. I want to go there. How scared are you, me, about the Bears having two early picks? The Bears early pick and the Panthers mega early pick, presumably. Go Panthers, by the way. Pound 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 town. No, what <laughs> what is their thing? <laughs> Keep pounding. Rasheed Walker. Rasheed should have been a Panther. <laughs> oh boy. Um if you're not replacing your quarterback with those two early picks especially in a presumably very good uh, at least top heavy quarterback group I'm, I'm just i'm not massively concerned yes they could get a home run perhaps just double up and get a defensive tackle and an edge rusher and now now they've got that but they still don't have corners they still don't have an offensive line they still don't potentially have wide receivers outside of dj Moore, and they still don't have a quarterback Right, so th- so there's no two picks you can make, assuming they're both just absolute slam dunk home run elite players. And and you know we we haven't seen any proof that this is a dominant or really good drafting group. I mean, their first pick last year was Kyler Gordon. That guy was horrifically bad. Then there was Jaquan. He he seems like he could be very good. We'll see. He was average last year. The next pick was Valus Jones. There he's going to be cut very soon. Braxton seems like he was a good pick, and I think that's about it. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven picks. They maybe got two out of it. Now, granted, they didn't have a lot of early picks, and that's not their fault, but we, we don't have the body of work to see. Let's see if Darnell Wright's good at football. Let's see if Javon Dexter's any good, or Zach Pickens. Right now, they look kind of like disasters. Tariq Stevenson, Bears fans are not super excited about. Those, those are two second-round picks in Dexter and Tariq Stevenson. Let's just see before we panic. And that's sort of my bigger issue with the Bears is they're so far away. They need an entirely new defensive line from end to end. Not a single person aside from, again, Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter, who we don't know if they're any good at football. Aside from those two, there's nobody that stays. Why don't we take a quick break? Please remember to check out Old Southern Barbecue at oldsouthernbbq.com. I literally cannot think of a single reason. If, If you're into grilling barbecuing even if you're not you need to start there's a reason especially football fans talk about it incessantly it's because it's freaking awesome 
Hey, you want to make delicious meat for relatively cheap prices compared to like going out? Oh, yeah, buy a grill and just do it yourself. $10 for a pork butt. But this isn't just any old garbage you can buy on Amazon. This is literally award-winning seasonings and award-winning sauces. And you're not paying award-winning prices. Bottle of rub for 5 bucks. You can get a bottle of sauce for 6 bucks. Or if you want all of them together in a nice fancy gift box, by the way, great present for somebody in your, you know, for dad, uncle, son, brother, friend, whatever. Also comes with a t-shirt, 55 bucks. And not even. Because if you use promo code PACKERNET15, capital P, capital N, cap, PACKERNET15, you get 15% off your order. And this is going to last you a long time. And I promise you this is good stuff. Please check out Old Southern Barbecue at OldSouthernBBQ.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the officially official line, I think it's going to stay here, is actually 1.5. So again, I was wrong about it continuing. I kind of had a feeling that when I started seeing the numbers guys talking about, I think minus one is a good number for the Bears, plus one for the Packers. I kind of figured it would settle. Didn't expect it to bounce back. And in fact, it's probably a good thing for anybody wanting to bet on the Packers. Because even with even even at minus one, and again, there's, there's another one here, another uh, YouTube channel you can check out, Wager Talk TV. It's the same thing. And I know there's there's a division between sort of this uh, stats people and film people, but l- let me just pitch my case to you very succinctly in terms of why I lean toward the numbers people. I've never met anybody who makes a bunch of money betting on these games, making really wise, intelligent decisions, whose strategy is watch the tape. It doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. It's not, a, it's not a thing. People that set the lines in Vegas don't watch the tape. The people who make money off of these, these sports books, it's not because they watch the tape. It's not, I'm not saying they don't watch football. I'm saying that the decisions that they make are based on data, analytics, numbers. So if I'm asking the question, it's different questions, right? Trying to evaluate Jordan Love in the preseason, I'm curious what the tape people say. Trying to determine who's going to win the game, don't care what the tape people say. Give me these nerds that sit in their basement for 20 hours a day. But again, here's, here's another one, and this is with, with it at minus one. 
Really interesting matchup here. I think people are way too high on the Bears this year, just in general. Um, you know, the Lions are the consensus pick to win the NFC North, which I completely agree with. Uh, but, uh, you know, just for the sake of, of the masses wanting to make an argument for one of the other teams to uproot the Lions, I'm seeing a lot of Bears, and, and I just can't, can't agree with that at all. I think the Bears are a very overrated team. I think they did make some some strides and take some steps in the right direction, got some good skill players, but where they they really are still, you know, sort of going to struggle and I think is going to be a, a big thing for them uh, is on defense and on the offensive line. So protecting Justin Fields is huge for the Bears. And now Tevin Jenkins is going to miss the first four, um, four games of the season, which make that more difficult. On the defensive side, I just don't see them being able to get much pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and I don't think they're going to get much pressure on Jordan Love here because he's playing behind a very good offensive line uh, and, and arguably the strength of this Packers team, who could be the sleeper team in the NFC North. I know the Packers took some respected money here. I know they took some respected money in the futures markets to win this division and, and you know, maybe even an outside shot to make it to the Super Bowl. I don't think that happens this year, but in terms of just like value betting, um, I know there was a little bit of, of sprinkle going on there. So in the- And by the way, if I'm understanding him properly, there, there's a distinction between the different things that he's saying and, and the terminology he's using. When he's saying that there's a lot of, of hype about the Bears, I don't think he's talking about, and I'm, I'm uh, new to the terminology, but but it would be sharp money, which is essentially people that actually know what the heck they're talking about. The, the general public and their decisions and what they like and what they do compared to what people like this talk about in terms of sharp money are very, very different. In fact, a lot of these guys make money based on the fact that the populace is stupid and they make decisions based off of hype. He is not saying that he's heard a lot of really intelligent, sharp bettors say the Bears are going to win. However, he did say, I don't remember his exact terminology, respected money. There's a difference there. In other words, the general populace is high on the Bears, and I don't see it. I do know, however, that there's some legitimate action in terms of people betting the Packers because it's good value. So in this matchup, it, 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 it's no surprise to me whatsoever that this line has moved from two and a half to one. I, I'm sure that, the, 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 that for the reason that that happened is A, to block the Packers in teasers, but B, because they're probably the sharp side here and they've been getting hit in those markets um, early in the summer. Early- Again, sharp meaning not, it doesn't mean, and this, this is the thing, if you look at the, the total money pouring in and whatnot, that really is somewhat irrelevant. What matters is the sharp bettors, the, the people who know what the heck they're doing. What matters is where they're putting all their money. And the line moved because the sharp bettors were putting their money on the Packers. Early up until this week, one of the few games that is that appears to have sort of moved off of sharp money this you know to this point. I personally am not. I don't know if I'm high enough at the on the Packers to come in and take them at one at this point. But it's certainly the way I would lean in this game. I think the Rodgers trade probably benefits them greatly going forward. I think they got quite a bit in return. Not having him there might be addition by subtraction for a team that maybe was ready to move forward, you know, without Rodgers last year. And again, that is a point that is nobody wants to bring up. It can be addition by subtraction. 
It absolutely can be. For a lot of reasons, just leaving aside the part that, that Rodgers, again, struggled last year. I mean, the, the whole team did, but he in particular struggled. But it's not just the, the play. It's, it's a lot more underlying fundamental things that, that can grow and improve. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this or not. Um, I may have. But um, there is a... Uh, 538 has this ELO ranking or whatever. And they, there's a site here that expressed it as points, which is how valuable were you against the spread, so to speak. Then they broke it down based on what is the change from year to year. In other words, how much better or worse did you get than last year? We know how catastrophically bad Russell Wilson was last year. His change in quote-unquote points from last year was he dropped 2.4 points. That was the second worst. You know who the worst was? Aaron Rodgers, 4.1. Baker Mayfield was minus 1.6. That dude fell off a cliff. So they, they have Rodgers' drop-off being almost twice as bad as Russell Wilson's. Just it's irrelevant to what we're talking about. I just, I just found that and thought I'd mention that. Again, I may have mentioned that before. but And he was, of course, still there. We'll see what happens with Jordan Love. But as far as this matchup is concerned, I think the Packers' offensive line is going to be able to set the tone. I think Love's going to be able to move with his legs a little bit, and the Packers are going to be able to run the ball enough to establish you know, the, the, the dominance in this game. And I lean toward the Packers here. So if I was going to bet this one right now, it would be Packers plus one. For all of my picks, head on over to my page. At- all right, thank you. Yeah, head over to his page. Uh, that is Wager Talk TV, by the way. I'll give him a shout-out since we use their materials. But but look, the, the larger point here is... There seems to be a consensus. Forget all the the mouth breathers that just say stuff to hear themselves talk. The people that do this for a living seem to be leaning Packers, even with the lack of, of data available. Again, when you just look at the teams, it seems relatively clear the Packers are the better team. Now, it is in Chicago, so that's going to lean things a little bit. Again, I tend to think it's about somewhere between a point and a half to two points. I don't know what I don't know what Vegas does in terms of the spread. They may still be adhering to the three point thing. I don't know, but I know from a data standpoint, in terms of what what is real, it seems to be. And, and again, there was that thing. I, I doubt I'll ever be able to find it again. But they broke down each individual team's home field advantage. But for the most part, it's about a point and a half to two points, which would mean neutral site. More than likely, the Packers are the favorites. And in Lambeau, very clearly, the Packers are the favorites. But um, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. I, I'm, I'm excited about later in the season when I can actually dig into numbers. There just aren't a lot of numbers, at least not a lot of reliable numbers. But let me give you a couple. Jordan Love against the spread is 1-0. <laughs> Justin Fields against the spread is 8-17. and Matt LaFleur is 13-4, 77%, against the spread as an underdog. 12 and 4 with Aaron Rodgers, 1 and 0 with Jordan Love. LeFleur is 42 and 29 against the spread in his career overall. So remember, against the spread, spread isn't win loss. It's how much you accomplish above expectations. So Justin Fields being 8 and 17 is actually really terrible because most of the time those are situations where the Bears were expected to lose. It's not a matter of he lost that many times. It's a matter of even given a handicap, even saying we think the Bears are going to lose by four, most of the time they lost by more than what even Vegas thought. The Packers, on the other hand, 
you could look at the record and and, and say, well, you, you really can't. I, I guess 42 and 29 isn't that impressive or whatever if you wanted to. But but that's again, that's not even the issue because the Packers are almost always expected to win. The point is they overachieve 42 out of 71 times. And again, 77%, 13 and 4 when they're underdogs. They also mentioned in here, these are the longest odds for the Packers to win a Super Bowl in the last 40 years, or it's it's the, the fourth longest odds, 66 to 1. The only other times were 1988, 2006, and 1989. Super Bowl odds. As for the Bears, they went 3-14 and 14 straight up last season, most losses in franchise history. They closed the season with a home losing streak of seven games, and these are the things that even I am I'm forgetting. Just how unbelievably horrifically bad this team was and is. Yes, they made changes, but changes from what? From a three-win team, worst in NFL history, a seven-game losing streak, number one pick in the NFL, 32nd ranked defense in the NFL. That's what they've moved away from. By the way, that seven-game losing streak is tied for the longest in the NFL with the Texans. That's a home losing streak. At home! When you add in the away games, it's 10 consecutive, which is crazy because, again, it's 10 consecutive, but you would assume most of those are away games. Seven out of 10 were at home? Oh my good lord. I didn't even know that. Over the last 20 years, the Bears are 12, 28, and 1 against the spread against the Packers. So 30%. A $100 better if you were to bet just 100 bucks every time on the Bears against the spread. So, you know, right now, boom, I'm taking the Bears plus one and a half. If you had done that every game over the last 20 years, you would be down $1,673. The Bears are 5-18-1 against the spread against the NFC North. Again, that's against the spread. That's not just their record straight. Well, things are different now. No, 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 no. Listen to me. They massively underperform against expectations, regardless of the expectations. So take the expectations and understand they're worse than that. Almost every time. Chicago is the least profitable team versus its own division in the NFL in that in the span since 2019. The uh, the first video we played was from the uh, the Action Network. The Action Network has some professionals that make bets, and if you subscribe, as I did, because I'm an addict with subscriptions, you can see where they place their bets. Out of seven professional bettors, six took the Packers at plus 1.5. Actually, that's not even true. It's it depends on when they took the bet. It looks like most of these guys actually took it at plus one. The the Stucky who we listened to got it at plus uh, 0.15 or 1.5. As far as the money line, there's only one bet. It was Matt Moore, and he took the Packers at plus 105. Prop bets. One bet, A.J. Dillon over 36.5 rushing yards. It's all Packers. And again, I mentioned the whole sharp money thing. In other words, where are the professional bettors putting their money? It's on the Packers. And this isn't just from their own experts, right? That's a separate category. Their experts are going Packers. Big money is on the Packers. 70% of the money, that's public money. Sharp action. Professional bettors outside of their own organization on the Packers. So look, the the bottom line is we don't know what's going to happen. We don't have a lot of information. We don't have a lot of data. But the optimism should be on the side of the Green Bay Packers. And I want to refine one thing here. The more I've kind of thought about it, obviously the trenches have been what what I've said the Packers need to win, and I, and I stand by that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna narrow it even more. If our offensive line can dominate their defensive line the way that they should, we're talking top three offensive line against a bottom, well bottom number one defensive line. 
call it bottom three, I guess. Potentially number one against number 32, if we're, if we're just going to fully go into this thing. I think the Packers win. That's where they have to win. We have to win with the offensive line. If Jordan Love has time in the pocket, and if we can just absolutely destroy one of the worst run-blocking or run-defending defensive lines in the entire NFL, I don't know how we don't win this game. Aside from just a complete Kansas City Chiefs collapse where the wide receivers drop everything that, that gets thrown at them, I, I think that that's, I'm, I'm going to narrow it even more. Yes, if we win in the trenches on both sides, we win. But I think if we dominate on our offensive line, pending some kind of a collapse somewhere else, defensively, wide receivers, whatever, we should win the game. Period. I want to see a comfortable Jordan Love in the pocket. I want to see room to run for our running backs. If I see that, I'm going to feel good about the game. Anyways, let's take one more break. I want to take a quick look at the rest of the games that are going on, some games of interest, and then we'll get out of here. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. So, um, summer sports or sumer sports or whatever they are, I've, I've noticed e- either I've done it intentionally because I've been seeking them out or, or there has been an explosion. And I tend to think there's an explosion of stats-related sites, and I am beyond excited about it. But this is one of them, sumer or su- uh, summer sports, I don't know. But they created something that was kind of cool, and it's called Week 1 Watchability Scores. In other words, if you have the option to watch whatever you want, they're going to tell you the best games to watch. The Sunday noon games, or 1 p.m. games, or whatever. They have Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns as by far the best game to watch. And I'm going to be honest, man. I know we're not allowed to say nice things about the Browns quarterback. But I, I just can't help but wonder how much we could potentially be sleeping on a freaking sleeping giant with the Cleveland Browns. In contention for best offensive line in football is the Browns. They've got some weaknesses, and unfortunately one of those potentially is the tackles. But they have got some unbelievable studs there. Cooper Cup was still a, a decent enough wide receiver. They have maybe the best running back in football with Chubb, and they've got a solid top 10 tight end in Njoku. You say, yeah, but Deshaun Watson was trash last year. Dude, Deshaun Watson played like six games last year. He came in week 13. He was the, the last time we saw him play a full season, he was the number three quarterback in the NFL with a 92.4 PFF grade. And he played for the freaking Texans. This is not like, well, he came from some great organization where they had a great offensive line. No, it was him, D-Hop, and nobody else in the world. That team was a freaking train wreck. It's still trying to recover from what a train wreck it was. Deshaun Watson was, before all the horrible allegations came up, he was like my number one quarterback in the NFL. Like, if you, if you could let me pick any young up-and-coming quarterback, I would have probably told you Deshaun Watson up until, you know, the emergence of Pat Mahomes. And even if you remove him from the equation, remove Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson was my guy. Again, I know there's a lot of horrible stuff about him as a human being and the stuff that he did. I'm not asking that question. That has nothing to do with it. If you don't want him in the NFL, fine. That's great. He's in the NFL, though. That, 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 it's, it's an irrelevant point. So the only question is, has he been, like, I, I, mentally, is, is he able to pull through and play football the way that he did? Because if he can, this guy is very, very easily a top 10 quarterback. And again, you put a top 10 quarterback behind a top, let's just say top 10 offensive line, with a top 15 wide receiver and a top 10 tight end and a top 5 running back, with a defense that has probably the best pass rusher in football in Garrett Wilson, has Zadarius Smith, who was 
still a top 15 pass rusher, one of the highest pressure rate guys in football. They, they acquired Dalvin Tomlinson from the Giants, who is a top 20 defensive tackle, very, very good defensive tackle. They've got potentially two solid corners in Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom. Juan Thornhill at safety is a really solid safety. Bengals are just two and a half point favorites. And I'll be honest, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not positive. Let me check here. Yeah, the, the Bengals since 2020 are one and five against the Browns. This feels like an easy walk in the park win for the Bengals. The Bengals are Super Bowl contenders. The Browns are a joke. I love Bengals. I love jokes. Room for all. Granted, the one win did come against Deshaun Watson that one game. But I'm, I'm just saying, man, I just looking long term, we'll see. If, if Watson's just a broken shell of himself, then it is what it is. And the Browns made, I mean, they already made one of the worst trades in history just based on the circumstances. But again, leaving the off the field stuff aside, I don't, I don't really know. Well, I think I know why people aren't talking about it, and it's exactly what I said. Nobody wants to praise the Browns. Nobody wants to say the Browns have a chance because of their quarterback, who we're all pretending we don't know could be really good. Which, again, is weird to me. Like, I, Nobody's saying you support anything. We're just talking football here. Good Lord, I don't understand. Same with, like, Brett Favre. Like, remember that game in the 90s? Remember when Brett Favre should be in jail? Like, can you just shut up for five seconds? Good Lord. I get it. You're a virtuous human being. Congratulations. I'll go ahead and print you a, a, a certificate with my and Google Docs. You can hang it up on your wall. Most virtuous person in the world. Now, can we shut up and move on to football stuff? Crying out loud. Can you imagine if we did with that with everybody who ever committed? Remember that time Aaron Jones got arrested for weed? Remember that? He was speeding? Seems a little irresponsible. Remember that time? Remember that time? Remember that time? Yes, yes, we all remember. How about we talk about that when we talk about that? When that's the subject matter at hand, we'll talk about that specifically. We've talked about Deshaun Watson in that situation. We've talked about Brett Favre in his situation. But sometimes I want to talk about something else. I'm very proud of you for your inability to focus on anything other than your supremely virtuous behaviors. But everybody's just complete fear of even talking about something surrounding that issue. Like, we have to pretend the Browns don't even exist as a franchise. Like, come on, can we freaking grow up air? And talk about the football game, please. It's just the state of how horrible the society and we, we, we live is in. We live in is that people are that scared of the people around them. <laughs> that if I don't put 17 caveat, the freaking Stasi is going to come after me. It's funny, if you read about the Stasi or the Gestapo and what they did, it's actually a pretty accurate description of what people are afraid of. <laughs> Psychological policing of the population to root out dissenting voices. I don't know, just stupid. Anyways, let me just say one more time, Deshaun Watson might be a very, very good quarterback, and I'm very interested to see if that materializes. The next most uh, interesting game, by the way, I would take the Browns uh, with the Bengals being two and a half point favorites, just so we're very clear. I'm not doing point um, totals like I have done in the past, because a lot of what I do is based on what teams have done this year, and there's no real data. I'll probably start next week with very limited data, but I'll figure it out for next week. This week, I don't know. I'm just swinging for the fences here. 49ers Steelers with about half the watchability score of Bengals Browns. But I actually think this is a pretty fun game as well. The 49ers, obviously, we would like to lose being an NFC team, a rival, and just all around scumbag losers that they are. But I'm also very interested in the Steelers. I've noticed that there's a lot of people coming around to the Steelers being a sleeper team, which kind of upsets me because I wanted that to be my thing. But again, here, here's the biggest thing. 49ers, by the way, two-point favorites in this game. 
Here are Kenny Pickett's grades through the season, starting in week four when he took over. 66, 65, 49, 65, 51, 67, 55. That sucks. That goes through week 11. Then, starting in week 12, you have 88, 70, 61, 76, 92, and 70. I believe he was the number one quarterback starting in week 12 through the end of the season. Despite his horrifically putrid start, he still ended with a 75 PFF grade. Something clicked with Mr. Kenny Pickett midway through his, his first season. But then on top of that, George Pickens. Um, again, I, I know I had made the comment in the 2022 draft that he might be my number one wide receiver. And I, I think although he's had a lot of rough patches, and I do think he's got a little, he's a little bit off, you know, mentally. He looks like a guy that's ready to snap. I mean, if he can keep that under control, he definitely has the whole diva vibe going on. And But, I mean, Stephon Diggs has that too, and he's, you know, eventually kind of calmed down at least enough to be a serviceable wide receiver. Some other guys maybe not so much, but, I mean, Kenny Pickens is just on a different level. Um, I've never seen a wide receiver block like that in my life. He's the most violent wide receiver at 6'3", 200 pounds. But also with him, I mean, it was around week 14, but it seemed like it started to click for him as well. It was a slow start. He had two big games, week four, week five. But aside from that, it was bad all the way through week 13. But then you get 74, 66, 71, 63, 75. I mean, it's every other, but it's also never low. Like 66 and 63 are fine. That patch all the way from week 14 on, I mean, man, you get the last quarter of the, of the season for the Steelers and you're starting to see some stuff. So I don't know. Again, I don't necessarily have a prediction because I don't know. I know, again, I had kind of gone through and looked at the average EPA per play on week one and all that. San Francisco is one of the worst teams week one. Pittsburgh also is not great, but San Francisco stands out among, along with Green Bay, Buffalo, and sort of like Atlanta, I guess would be the four worst. Maybe Cleveland kind of slides in there a little bit. Definitely Green Bay, Buffalo, San Francisco. So I don't know. I, I think it'll be an interesting game. It'll be a fun game to kind of see. I'm always rooting for the 49ers' demise that never seems to come, unless it's week one against the Bears and we decide to play Trey Lance in the rain because we're freaking idiots. Aside from that, though, they tend to be a good football team, which sucks. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a decent enough offensive line, some potential at quarterback, potential in Pickens. Technically, their number one wide receiver last year was Deontay Johnson, but if Pickens can actually become a number one, Johnson's a really nice number two. They still have Allen Robinson, who is clearly past his prime, but as the number three guy that apparently they're going to play in the slot, okay. Harris is a decent running back. Fryermuth is a solid tight end. Highsmith and Watt is one of the best pass rushing duos, along with Cleveland. But they also have Hayward on the inside. I mean, you want to talk about just raw horsepower? That's a scary front. Got Minka Fitzpatrick at safety, which is one of my one of the bigger misses on my part, saying that the Steelers were stupid to trade for Fitzpatrick, and he just absolutely showed up from the day he stepped on that field as a Steeler. Corners might be a little suspect, depending on Patrick Peterson. He balled out last year, but you know he's you know he's 33 going on 34. I don't know, man. I think the Steelers could be a decent team. It all it all in my mind hinges on the quarterback wide receiver. If Pickett can become like a top 12 quarterback legitimately. And um, and Pickens can become a top 15 wide receiver. I think it's a formidable team, man. Anyways, the third most watchable noon game is Titans-Saints. Not entirely sure you can pay me to watch that game. I'm slightly curious how the Saints are doing. They are three-point favorites in this game. Um, Titans were kind of a fun team to watch at one point, but 
man, that I didn't realize how much that team was just built around their offensive line. And as soon as that went away, my good lord. And they gave away the receiver. I don't know. I don't know why you give away AJ Brown. I mean, good for the Eagles to pick him up, but did they not know how good he was? I knew how good he was. I barely watched the Titans. Granted, it's because I live on friggin' PFF perusing, but my goodness. What are the Titans? I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how the Saints do. Curious if Michael Thomas is still a thing. I have no idea. We haven't really seen him. We haven't seen elite Michael Thomas since 2019. We haven't seen good Michael Thomas since 2020. So, I don't know. Olave, what's he doing? Jamal's there. I don't know. I, 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 I couldn't bring myself to care about this game. It is worth noting, again, on my week one thing, the Saints are one of the best week one teams out there over the last five years. And although I do think Tennessee's defense could give their offense problems, I really struggle to see how Tennessee's offense moves against this defense. So, I yeah, don't care. After that, you got Jaguars-Colts. Really, as far as my interest is concerned, and the Jaguars are five-point favorites, it, it entirely comes down to the Colts quarterback. I, I kind of hope he's a fun guy to watch. We shall see. And then what are the Jaguars? They're kind of one of those young up-and-coming teams that you're waiting and watching to see, like, are you going to break out? Like, like, are you going to take, like, a Bengals leap where you're not just, like, a low-end playoff team every year? You are a serious, like, you have an elite quarterback. Your time is coming. It's just a matter of time before you are playing for a Super Bowl. Because there's a lot of these middling teams, you know? I mean, like, the Steelers every year were kind of in the playoffs. You know, the Rams kind of, well, the Rams won it, I guess, but they sucked that year. So I still think they're a decent example of it. Packers probably, you could say, fit that mold, although not exactly. But that's it. I would be interested mostly just to watch the Colts quarterback. That's, that's about it. As far as who's going to win, the Jaguars should win that game. The game that I'm going to be watching is Buccaneers-Vikings. They have that um, fifth down on the list. Vikings are five and a half point favorites. It's the, the, actually, it's the third highest um, or biggest margin of any game. You got Ravens over Texans is the highest, then Washington over Arizona, then the Vikings over the Buccaneers. I don't want to say hoping for a miracle because that might be a little overly dramatic, but obviously we're hoping for the Buccaneers to come up with something here. But I just don't think it's a thing. Like the, the Buccaneers are still reconstructing after they did their whole all-in thing, which again is, is part of the reason why I'm so impressed with the Packers because most teams, they go all-in and then they implode, like purposefully. Like we have to offload all these defensive pieces and everything that we had, and now we have nothing left. And that's kind of their defense is just a shell. I mean, they got a couple good pieces. They got uh, Dean over there at corner. You got Winfield. They got a couple good safeties. They still got Levante David, who is a freak linebacker. But that defensive front is just not good. And the Vikings offensive line is quite good. Bradbury and Ingram, maybe not as much. But uh, Cousins is a good quarterback. Jefferson is a freak. They added Addison. You know, Hawkinson is a decent tight end. I just They're going to run right through this defense. And I don't know what happened to Baker Mayfield. I'm I'm wondering if he can somehow bounce back. I, I'm just confused. It's almost like he was one of the worst quarterbacks last year, and everybody's just like, yeah, he sucks. It's like, no, 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 no. No, he's never done that before. I don't know why we're all pretending this is who Baker Mayfield's always been. Baker Mayfield was a pretty decent quarterback for a decent stretch of his career. He has never been this bad. His grades in PFF were 83, 75, 86, and then it was 63, and then 50. I have no idea what happened to this human being, but he has completely hit a wall and is now potentially the worst quarterback in the NFL. I don't get it. If he can wake up, 
He still maybe has Mike Evans, although that's a freaking disaster. You got Godwin, who's decent. You got Wirfs, who's a good tackle, although the rest of your offensive line sucks. There's no chance, man. The Vikings are going to destroy this freaking team. Ugh. I just I don't want to start that way. Lions win uh, against the Super Bowl champions. The Vikings win, you know, 38 to, to 7 against the Buccaneers. Ugh. You got Ravens-Texans. Oh, you know what? I gotta do my thing. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Ravens, Texans. Again, Ravens are a good football team. They got a good offensive line. They got a good quarterback. They got a good tight end. They got Odell Beckham for whatever that's worth. They drafted Flowers. They're trying again and again and again to get these wide receivers. Do I have faith in it? No, I don't. But I think the form the formula of run the ball, give the ball to Andrews is a good enough formula. And it should be plenty good to beat this Texans defense, which is just bad. Although they did get Anderson, who had a great preseason. We'll see if that guy can generate some pressure. The The flip side, obviously, it comes down to Stroud, who's not in the worst situation you've ever seen. They've done a, a decent amount to fix the offensive line. The uh, Ravens really don't have exterior pass rushers, like Jadavian Clowney's our best pass rusher, which isn't the best situation to be in. But, I mean, you've got kind of something, you know? But, yeah, no, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't see how this pans out. I guess I want to see how Lamar looks, and I especially want to see how Stroud looks. Otherwise, I don't have any interest in watching one AFC team bludgeon another AFC team. Falcons-Panthers is only interesting just for the sake of like who's actually going to win that stupid division. And we absolutely 100,000% want the Panthers to win. Remember, their first-round pick is the Bears' first-round pick. Falcons have a history of choking, like historically. Falcons have Desmond Ritter at quarterback, which is not a good situation to be in. Panthers have Bryce Young. We'll see. I mean, he doesn't have a ton to go off of, but it's not a bad offensive line. Um, they got Jonathan Mingo. Maybe that can be a thing. They've got Adam Thielen to be that veteran presence. Maybe. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful that they can find a way. The uh, Falcons' defense is not necessarily a massively impressive one. Might have a problem stopping the interior pressure, but otherwise I'm hoping Young can operate and uh, lead a comeback to beat the Atlanta Falcons because we desperately need that. And then the least watchable game that they have here is Washington against Arizona, which is the uh, second biggest beatdown expected this entire week. And I just don't think there's a single thing. I mean, again, the watch score is a .12. The second lowest is 1.08. .12, not even a .5. And it's, it's, it's true. Who would want to watch this game? Aside from people who are like, oh man, I hope Washington's good now that they got rid of that bad guy owner. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't freaking care. It's the dumb, it's, it's the most useless team with the dumbest name. Just, I wish they would have just dissolved the freaking franchise, man. It's just in, in the most garbage. I mean, the fact that it's Washington, D.C., how could you not hate them? <laughs> just on top of, just from that alone. It's the Washington, D.C. football team that had a corrupt owner, go figure, the Washington, D.C. team's owner was a corrupt D-bag, go figure, live in the corruption capital of the United States. That or Chicago, I'm not sure. <laughs> and they're going up against probably the most useless team ever, which is just a dysfunctional mess from leadership all the way down. So I just, just could not care any less about a football team than Washington, Arizona. Then you got the 3 o'clock games, the most watchable game, which is actually the second most watchable game of the week ahead of Browns-Bengals, is Chargers-Dolphins. Being two AFC teams, I don't massively care. And honestly, I can't think... 
I mean, I, again, the, the way that they break this down, I think they have it based on the spread, number one, which I think the closer the spread, the closer the game's supposed to be. The win total, the higher the total, you know, in other words, the, the more points I think there's going to be makes it more watchable. This is the highest total of any game this week at 51. Then they have the ELO, which I think is just the ranking the teams overall. These are two potentially good football teams, potentially good uh, playoff teams. And then they also go based on quarterback ability. You have Tua Tungavailoa and you have Justin Herbert. These are two very good quarterbacks. It makes sense that this would be a, a good game. If you just don't care and want to watch two teams score a lot of points, this is supposed to be the one. I don't really care, though. I can't think of a single thing that I would want to watch in this game, aside from just the Dolphins with the Tua, Tyreek, and uh, Jalen Waddle show, just watching the fireworks, you know? Otherwise, I don't care. The uh, Chargers are, the uh, are three-point favorites, but whatever. Patriots-Eagles. I mean, go Patriots, I guess. I hate to root for the Patriots, but Eagles are right now the powerhouse of the NFC and a recurring dominant Eagles team is not great for us. I think one of the things to keep in mind, although the Eagles front office has done a pretty good job of, of trying to maintain things, one of the things to remember about the Eagles is that they're a pretty old football team. A lot of their talent, guys like um, Jason Kelsey are old and are not going to be there very long. I mean, he's going to be 36 years old. Lane Johnson, the right tackle, is 33 years old. You lose Kelsey and Johnson and you're in a world of hurt. Now they went out and got 26. They got a 26-year-old left tackle who looks like a stud. They drafted Landon Dickerson, who seems more than capable at left guard. So again, they're doing a good job of replacing these guys. But if you have two or three gaps on this offensive line as opposed to zero, it's going to create problems. You've already got guys like Fletcher Cox who have completely fallen off a cliff. Trying to replace him with Carter. Right? They, they, kudos to them for knowing their strength. It's the trenches. That's where we win. And they, that's where they invest. And they've been getting good returns on that. But yeah, Fletcher Cox hasn't been a thing since 2019. He's completely useless on that front. But they've got Josh Sweat, who had a good year. They've got um, Hassan Reddick had a good year. We'll see if that continues. you got Carter up front now. But it's not easy to continue to replace this much talent. I mean, if it was easy to go out and just find five offensive linemen, everybody would do it. So I guess I'm just curious the baseline of the Eagles. Are they are they as good as they were? Because again, guys like Sweat and Reddick off the edge, who ranked 11th and 12th, were not good prior to last year. If they regress back to what they were, they don't really have great pass rushers. We'll see about Jordan Davis too, who's going into his second year on the interior. But again, I'm just curious to see are they as dominant or or you know maybe teams start to work them a little bit, maybe. You know, some of the offensive linemen that are getting a little older are starting to take a step back. Uh, Rams, Seahawks, who freaking cares? I just don't. I mean, the Rams are such a mess. Seahawks, I just think, are, are a stupid team. They're, they're, they're a flash-in-the-pan team that's never going to amount to anything. Right? You look at them and you go, oh, man, they, they score a lot of points. And, oh, man, Geno actually looks kind of good. And, oh, man, they got DK. And that team's never going to do anything. This is not a Super Bowl-caliber team. So they're 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 pushing their chips in on a team that just has no chance. They're, they're just, they're a poorly run franchise. They've been a poorly run franchise for a very long time. Their GM should have been fired a freaking decade ago. Actually, that's when he made his money about a decade ago. Five, six years ago, they're, they're a stupid franchise. I mean, I, I guess I should be happy because that team's not going anywhere. Geno Smith is not going to win a, a Super Bowl with the amount of talent that they have on that team. It's never going to happen. So yeah, go beat up on the Rams. Congratulations, five-point favorites. You're probably going to win some games. You're going to have some exciting scores. You're going to create a lot of headlines and a lot of hype, but nobody in the world expects you to be in the Super Bowl, and for good reason. You're not built for that. 
You're beat, built for moderate regular season success, potentially some playoff berths, and fast exits. Again, the whole Geno Smith thing was a fluke to begin with. He had like four big games that propped everything up. The offensive line is not good. Yes, you got Smith and Jigba. Great. So again, you're just doing the same thing. You've got a quarterback that can throw to your good receivers. DK, Lockett, and Smith and Jigba. Which, by the way, again, you want to talk about bad management? This, this, You know what this feels like to me? This feels like a team that understands that their heyday is done and they're not going to go to the Super Bowl, but they want to keep that hype. Because remember before the Seahawks were the Legion of Boom, there wasn't such a thing as a Seahawks fan. And then suddenly, like, they're... they're the uh, the 12th man, they're the loudest stadium and all this stuff. Like, you are the fakest fan base ever. So we just got to keep the hype going. So we're going to go out and get, what, a wide receiver. You need offensive line help, bro. Nope, we're going to get a third wide receiver. You have two wide receivers, we're going to get a third. Wow, well done. You realize you have nothing on your defensive line, right? Not a single thing. You don't have a pass rusher, you don't have a defensive tackle, you have nothing. Oh, and by the way, all that hype about Tariq Woolen, he ended up 34th, and he is by far your best corner. You know how desperately you need, I mean, premier positions. You need offensive linemen, you need corners, you need pass rushers, and you got a third wide receiver. But you know what? That's going to generate the hype. We got Jackson Smith and Jigba. This guy is a freak. He was the best wide receiver. He's better than Garrett Woods. He's trying to be talking. I mean... Yeah, okay, great. So now instead of scoring 30 points, you're going to score 32 points. Whoa! And you're going to lose by 10 because your defense is a joke. The only thing worth anything is that you still have this elite linebacker. That's the only thing on your defense that's worth a damn. And he is 33 years old. You have one player on your defense and he's 33 and you got a wide receiver. This, 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 I hate the Seahawks. I love the Seahawks because they're so stupid, but I hate the Seahawks. But man, and, and they got the coach that just, he's got all the swag and he's chewing his gum and he's Mr. Cool. And it's, it just feels like a theater, a theatrical performance. This isn't real. They're not trying to win. They're not taking this thing seriously. They're milking it for all it's worth. They're, 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 they're trying to keep this team on life support by, by just making sure we score a lot of points and uh, keeping the fans in the seats and keeping the, the frickin' cash register cha-chinging. This isn't serious. So yeah, go get your win. Go get your wins. Get into the playoffs. Congratulations, Seahawks. You suck. You suck. And I wish you only the worst. Broncos Raiders is more interesting to me because I want to see what the Broncos are up to. I want to see if there's any hope for this team. I don't know if there's anything even to fix with Russell Wilson. So, I mean, it, there's some intrigue on my part in terms of can this coach come in and do all the right things and see if we can squeeze the last bit of talent out of Russell Wilson. And look, I, I know that he started to decline in Seattle before he came here, but I think that this was a dramatic drop-off, which was culminated by a horrifically bad coaching job. And so I don't think Wilson necessarily has to be this bad, right? Ranked like 30th in the NFL. Bad. I don't think so. If Russell Wilson's going to go from like 3rd to 16th, you know, being like maybe 20th, like if that's just his new, that's just where he's at, fine. But that's still an improvement over last year. So I'm curious. And, and you know, Max Crosby's maybe the best, one of the best pass rushers in football. But outside of that, this is the worst defense I've ever seen. The Raiders also are just such an unbelievably poorly run, garbage, disgusting organization. 
This is why the Packers will never be down there, because this is so stupid. I, I, Max Crosby is a 90. The next best player that I'm seeing as a starter via PFF is a 65.9. It's 66, uh, 49, 55, 47, 60, 52, 58, 30, 57, 54. That's their entire defense outside of Max Crosby, who's a 90. This is just putrid garbage. Then on the other side, you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who you had to go out and pay for. You have Devontae Adams, who you had to go out and pay for. And then you got Josh Jacobs, the running back, who's very good. You have Colton Miller, who became very good. And um, maybe you've got Jermaine Illuminor over there on right tackle, but I think that was mostly a fluke, and I think he's bad. They have a bad offensive line. They have not been able to fix it. I just, I, this, this is a stupid, stupid organization. There's so many stupid organizations that I just, I hate because of how stupid they are. And I also hate any fan that wants to pretend the Packers are like these organizations. You guys are a freaking joke. Do you know what the Commanders are doing? Have you looked at the Cardinals? The freaking Texans. Oh my goodness, when they had what's-his-name? Who was the coach and the GM from the Patriots? Uh, Bill, uh, Bill O'Brien? Unbelievable how horrible that was. Anyways, the mismanagement just makes me freaking sick. Speaking of mismanaged, the least viewable afternoon game is Packers-Bears. To be fair, though, it would be the uh, middle of the road on these noon games ahead of Vikings-Buccaneers. But still, the reason being, despite the uh, close game it's supposed to be, is that it is also supposed to be one of the lower-scoring games. Neither team, I think, is necessarily um, rated very highly, especially the quarterbacks, which they don't, I don't think they even list the quarterback ability. But both are expected to be low, whether that's true or not. So it's understandable. My, uh, for my viewing pleasure, it is uh, 500 out of 10. I do think also that it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game. I think maybe that's just my pessimism coming out. Um, I don't know why I just struggle to see the Packers scoring. I shouldn't because the Packers didn't really have a hard time with it in preseason. And if he does have time, Jordan Love I'm talking about, and if they are able to run the ball, they should be able to go down. They should be able to score. And honestly, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to put up above, let's say, 24 points pushing toward 30. I just am envisioning one of those games similar to we've seen it a million times with Rodgers where it's just not quite clicking. It's not even necessarily that something something's just off. The rhythm, the timing, the you know guys aren't getting open and it you know it could be a schematic problem in terms of you know just trying to beat what they're doing. You know they're playing you know the 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 other issue we often look at it and say our wide receivers are better than their corners and we think about it in terms of man to man coverage. Romeo Dobbs manned up against Jalen Johnson or whatever. But they're not going to be playing man. Occasionally they will. But it's, it's obviously much more complex than that. And it's, it's a schematic battle between Matt LaFleur and Matt Eberflus, or whoever it is that's actually calling the plays on defense or whatever. So I, I, I just envision there's going to be some, some growing pains. I think it was maybe Jake on uh, Packernet derailed that kind of brought up the point. It might have been JJ, I don't know. But just in terms of the... The first couple drives maybe not being great, kind of feeling things out a little bit, trying to get a sense of what they're doing so that we can kind of set things up. Also got to remember that the the Bears, at least last year, despite the fact that they were terrible pretty much the rest of the game, they were one of the best teams on that first drive. So it might be a rough start, but I think the Bears are going to slow down as our defense adjusts and, and, you know, I mean, you can only scheme that level of garbage for the Chicago Bears so much. So I think they'll get off to a hot start and taper. Packers, I think, will take a little while before they get into a rhythm, and, and it's just going to be a matter of, you know, there's going to be drives 
Many of them are not going to be sustained all the way down the field because of the clunkiness. Some of them will, and they'll materialize into points. And I see both teams kind of hovering in the teens to 20s to low 20s. Packers last year, despite the defense not really being all that impressive, held the Bears both times to under 20 points. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I, I would say uh, I, I would probably actually take the under on 42, and maybe I'm just being too pessimistic for the Green Bay Packers. But um, yeah, I, I, I mentioned the other day my final score prediction. I don't even remember exactly what it was. I, I do anticipate Romeo Dobbs playing. I'm much more optimistic than I think a lot of other people are. We will find out how that uh, materializes in due time in terms of his availability. But I mean, I, I, I would say like 24 to would be a more achievable score for the Bears. Maybe they'll call it 24-20, I guess. Bears are a little bit of a better team. They're at home. They're fired up like they've never been before. Let's call it 24-20, Packers. Then Sunday night, we have a, uh, a very good game. This is uh, Cowboys-Giants, at least in terms of watchability. And it's always nice, too, because I, I got to watch something, right? I'm going to watch the Vikings. It is what it is. I'm going to watch the Packers, whatever. But then the Sunday night and the Monday night games, you want to be good games. And this is a 6.4, uh, which is higher than every game except Monday night, Dolphins, Chargers, and Bengals, Browns. Um, it is somewhat relevant to us because these are both teams teetering on you know playoff contention. Cowboys are probably going to be in the playoffs, a team to keep an eye on um, down the line. Giants also teetering. I think I've, I've always been higher on the Giants than I should be. Um, this is probably one of the first times we're looking at them. Like, I just don't see it really panning out. They've got a really good left tackle, but that offensive line is, is a disaster. I think Mac, uh, Daniel Jones has established himself as the most mediocre quarterback in the NFL. He's consistently solid. I mean, 76 PFF grade. He is like, I don't want to say Jared Goff because he was somewhat impressive last year, at least for some people, but he's, he's, he's just kind of that middle-of-the-road guy, you know? He's, he's, he's one step below, I think, Goff and Cousins, who kind of hover around 10 to 12. He's in that next group between like 14 and 18. But I just it's just bad, man. Saquon just has never materialized, largely because of just the offense is a joke and the offensive line's not working. I know there's a lot of optimism about the play caller and all that stuff, but what are they going to do? They don't have wide receivers. Waller's there, but he's going through some serious stuff on top of the injury issues that they have. Um, again, Saquon's just not a thing. And then you got to deal with freaking Micah Parsons and, um, Demarcus Lawrence. And I just, it's not a good situation. I think the Giants defense could be the strength, but I still just don't see it necessarily. Uh, I don't see it going very well for the Giants. And then the most watchable game, which I can't necessarily disagree. I'm going to be very excited to watch this game. Even if we didn't have a vested interest in this game for Jets bills, um, the Bills are actually two and a half point favorites. I think the Jets are going to win the game. Maybe I'm just too hyped up onto the Jets. I understand the offensive line maybe isn't great, and and we'll see if if the Bills are able to generate pressure. Which you know, of course, of course, Von Miller is out, which is just freaking unbelievable. Biggest issue with the Jets is their offensive line, and one of the best pass rushers in a generation is not going to be in this game. So it's going to come down to Leonard Floyd, who is from the Bears. I mean, he can generate some pressures once in a while. You've got uh, Gregory Rousseau, who's a good pass rusher. Um, he took a big jump from year one to year two. 73 grade became an 81 grade. Uh, 82.5 pass rush grade, which ranked 13th. So um, he should be able to handle his business. But man, Rodgers and these wide receivers against a pretty rough Buffalo Bills cornerback group. I mean, it, it's it's not... 
you listen to the names and you think, no, 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 it's good. They got Tredavious White. They got Micah Hyde. They got Poyer. It's like, man, I, I, I'm just telling you, Tredavious White ranked 81st. I mean, that guy has not been like a big deal since basically his rookie year. And, and a lot of that was just based on he got a bunch of picks. Uh, Micah Hyde's been kind of up and down, you know, in terms of, I mean, last year, serious injuries. He played one and a half games all year. I mean, their cornerbacks ranked last year. Their best was their slot corner, who ranked 40th. Their boundary corners ranked 81st and 96th. And that's going against Rodgers and Wilson and even Lazard. You think, well, Lazard's not that good. He ranked 50th. That's significantly better than what these corners are. And you got Miko Hardman, who's not bad. And then on top of that, what did I say about week one? The second worst team after the Packers is the Buffalo Bills. You got a terrible week one team on the road against an unbelievably hyped-up Jets team. I don't think the Bills are going to be able to stop the Jets. It's going to entirely depend on pressure, and and that's going to be, I mean, really, really, really serious stuff. They have to be able to bring pressure. Even the linebackers, I mean, Matt Milano, doesn't grade out very well in run defense, but he does in coverage, he ranked fourth, and in pass rush, he ranked third. Good. Send him. You send extra guys against Aaron Rodgers, it's dangerous, but that was largely dangerous in Green Bay, where a lot of the time they can manage that. This offensive line, if they can't manage it, it could cause some problems. That's the that's the only way I see it working, though, because I do think the Jets' offense is better than the Bills' defense, depending on you know how guys come back. If Hyde comes back, plays really well. If Tre'Davious can get his head out of his butt, eighty first. My goodness, that's horrific. Um, and then you know on the flip side, I mean it's a good defense. Again, I don't know that it's going to be a top five defense. Went through the statistics on this. It's actually unlikely that they repeat what where they're at. But it's still good football players. It's still freaking Sauce Gardner, man. I mean, Stephon Diggs is a good football player, but it's Sauce Gardner. And then they don't really have anybody else. They don't have any great tight ends or running backs or wide receivers. Their offensive line is suboptimal. I mean, how the how the Bills continue? I mean, they're, they're turning into the Chiefs. I'm serious. I mean, their offensive their 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 team is deteriorating, but they stay on top. Why? Allen and Diggs, top three quarterback, top three wide receiver. Boom, there you go. Allen and Diggs make the whole thing work. But everything else is just crumbling. It's such a bad team. The the Jets have a good front. They should be able to generate pressure on Allen. They got they got one of the few corners that can actually lock down Diggs. I just I think it's a bad matchup. I think it's a bad situation. I think the Bills are walking into a buzzsaw. I think Von Miller being out is massive. And I think uh I think the Bills being two and a half point favorites is is kind of silly. Maybe I'm way off on this. I could be way off. I just I just am struggling to see it. The one thing, and this is going to be true for every team. The one, I mean, this is this is what was true in Green Bay. You generate pressure on Aaron Rodgers, you frustrate him so that he's not playing very well, and then things start to spiral. If the Bills can do that, and, and it's going to be easier to do that against Aaron Rodgers than has ever been ever in the history of Aaron Rodgers' career, because he's never had an offensive line this bad. That's how you win the game. But I'm just, I don't know, I don't know. I'm obviously rooting for the Bills, but I foresee. I mean, it sucks because the Lions beat the Chiefs. The Vikings are very likely going to beat the Buccaneers. The Jets, I genuinely believe, are going to beat the Bills. If the Packers lose, I mean, this this is a clean sweep, man. It is going to be a brutal... I mean, the Bears are going to be the, the talk of the nation. The Packers, it was a fluke. It was a fraud. The preseason was a joke. They're headed to the basement. The Jets, oh, look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at this. They, they beat the superpower Bills and all this stuff. Just, oh, it's going to be just the worst. We got to win because everything else is set up to be bad this week. I don't care what the spread is. I think the Jets are the better team, especially at home. Pressure, 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 pressure. I want to see Rodgers running for his life. If they can't do that, it's done.
Jets by a thousand. Anyways, we should probably get out of here. I'm having a good time, but uh, that's that's a, that's about it. And again, it's not as analytical as I like to be about the games. I usually have score predictions and the whole nine yards, but I, I don't have data to work on, and I don't feel good about trying to generate some kind of data. Actually, there is one thing, really quick. Uh, DVOA does, uh, Aaron Chats has a thing where he, he, it's called Dave, which is essentially trying to predict talent with very little information. Basically, Dave, let me, let me just read what they wrote here. The, the Dave stats currently posted represent weighted DVOA at the end of last season. So basically, they're just looking at 2022 weighted toward how did teams do it toward down the stretch. It says, you'll notice they still say 2022 in the table. We will start updating 2023, Dave, which combines preseason projections with in-season stats after the week one games beginning Monday morning. So Dave is, is at least somebody's attempt at trying to see how good a team is with no 2023 information. Anyways, despite the fact that, th- that things have changed a lot, just so we're clear, the Dave rankings, which is trying to project 2023 using the end of 2022, has the Packers as the 14th best team and the Chicago Bears as the 32nd ranked team. And again, it, things are different in Green Bay, but they're not that vastly different. If, if we're just talking about quarterbacks, and remember, based on DVOA, Aaron Rodgers was a dead average quarterback, right? I think that's what it was. I think he was around zero. If we can just do a one-to-one replacement, as much as that wouldn't be desirable, I don't want the 20th ranked quarterback or the 15th ranked quarterback. I'd like him to be in the top 10 so that we have something that we can actually achieve potential Super Bowl stardom with. But we can win this game with a dead average quarterback. So anyways, I'll leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. And uh, I will talk to you tomorrow for hopefully our very first victory Monday of the season. Have a good one. Bye-bye.